Coming up on Transformers University, the mechanic, Scraplets, Throttlebots, and the Car Wash of Doom. It's time to talk some Marvel Comics right now on Transformers University. Hello my friend and welcome to episode 93 of Transformers University. I am your host Anthony Brucalli, owner-operator Madman. Behind TFU.info, the website, this podcast, TFU News and Views podcast, the social media, and oh so much more. And today we're going to talk about the beginning of the 1987 run of the Marvel U.S. comics. And we're going to start with issues 28, 29, 30, and 31. Now, it's an interesting time for Transformers Comics in 1987. There's going to be some big changes at Marvel, which we'll cover soon enough. But the environment leading into those changes uh, is definitely reflected in some of the storytelling here and just some of the, uh, I would say, some of the passivity to Bob Budiansky's storytelling in the next couple of issues. It's not to say they're all bad. There's actually, at least in this batch of four, um, there is certainly one very controversial issue. Uh, There is certainly one very good issue, in my estimation. And then there's two other issues, one of which introduces a concept that will get reused many times over for years to come. So just what am I getting at with all of these vague references? Well, you'll find out right after this. Hey, want to help out this podcast or the website tfu.info? There's a number of ways you can do it. Let me tell you how. You can help us directly by joining our Patreon and enrolling as a student at Transformers University. There, you'll get early access to the podcast as well as exclusive behind-the-scenes peaks and perks for as little as $1 a month. Sign up is quick and easy. Just swing on by to www.patreon.com slash tfuinfo. Another way you can help us is by using our Amazon link, www.tfu.info slash Amazon. Type that into your browser whenever you want to shop at Amazon and a portion of what you spend will be contributed back to us. It's that easy. Finally, you don't become the world's longest running transforming toy archive without some help from other fans. We're always on the hunt for photos of figures and accessories we're missing from our pages. If you'd like to contribute, go to tfu.info slash help for a list of what we need or send an email to info at tfu.info. tfu.info, the alpha trion and omega prime of transforming toys. Now, back to the show. And we're going to kick things off with issue number 28. Uh, The story is entitled Mechanical Difficulties. It features Blaster and Goldbug on the cover with the headline, The Mechanic Strikes Again, and the Autobots Strike Out with the Mechanic, our featured villain, uh, swinging a tree at Blaster and Goldbug. Story written by Bob Budiansky, pencils by Don Perlin, inks by Ian Aiken and Brian Garvey, letters by Janice Chang, colors by Nell Yamtov, and edits by Don Daly. Now, the U.S. cover for this book drawn by Ian Aiken. Uh, it's actually a pretty nice cover uh, with with some really good detail on Blaster and, and Goldbug. The UK version of these covers is, is interesting in that they did not port over a US cover for either part of the UK version. So uh, both covers, issues 121 and 122 in the UK, 
both covers by Jeff Anderson. Man goes into cage, cage goes into salsa, sharks into salsa. 121 features Blaster and Goldbug being told to surrender by the mechanic. Uh, the cover for 122 features Goldbug in his vehicle mode uh, being attacked by mechanical arms. And uh, this is the first issue of the US G1 comic to cost a dollar. Prior to that, this book was a 75 cent book. Now, it starts out with the mechanic stealing a radar dish from Portland International Airport. Uh, the mechanic still has Ratchet's tools uh, from the last time we saw him, and he still has his sidekick, Juan. Uh, the mechanic fights off the security at the airport and leaves, and downtown Goldbug and Blaster are on a stakeout of the mechanic's hideout. Uh, two thugs, who we find out are named Deadhead and Fuzzy, try to steal Blaster from Goldbug. Goldbug uh, slams the door and drives away, uh, scares the thugs, who then meet two detectives. Goldbug and Blaster head back to base, and uh, there's a missing word bubble in this scene. Uh, I guess Grimlock is trying on crowns, and he asks Goldbug uh, what he thinks of those crowns, and um, the question is missing. So he just walks into uh, Goldbug answering Grimlock without a word bubble. This was later fixed in the UK version. Uh, Grimlock uh, is then told about uh, the mechanic situation. He is not happy about Goldbug and Blaster returning without the mechanic. Uh, cut over to the police station where the cops uh, give us some exposition. We find out that uh, the mechanic's real name is Nestor Forbes. I don't remember if we got that before. Um, and they set a trap for him, leaking word of an advanced computer on a truck. Back over at the mechanic's lair, he's in an abandoned canning factory. He's squatting in an abandoned canning factory. now. <laughs> Here's the thing. Who has a factory that makes, you know, tin cans, which are still fairly useful in the mid-80s and fairly useful today, and just, you know, leaves it to collect dust? Um, and how is he squatting there? Uh, the mechanic has his own criminal customer base, and uh, one customer is dissatisfied, and the mechanic tosses him out using the power booster rod that he had stolen from Ratchet. Now back at the Autobot base, this sets off an alarm for Wheeljack, who can trace the signal of the power booster rod. Grimlock then sends Blaster and Goldbug to retrieve it, and Blaster and Goldbug stake out a road near the canning factory as the truck approaches. And fortunately for them, they were there because a tree falls, and really, someone had to be there to hear it, and the mechanic and Juan raid the truck. Uh, the truck contains a very powerful computer, 256 kilobytes, yes, kilobytes, that is um, 0 0.000256 gigs, uh, if you're keeping track. So the 256 kilobyte 4MAX computer looks just like a jukebox and is the most powerful computer uh, on the market today in 1987. Goldbug and Blaster engage the mechanic as the police arrive. The police decide to fire on the Autobots, thinking they're working with the mechanic, and the mechanic and Juan use the distraction to escape. In the process of the escape, the mechanic uses a uh, tree to knock over Blaster and Goldbug, just like on the cover. Goldbug and Blaster give chase. Uh, the detectives shoot out Goldbug's tire, 
uh, and the police tried to follow them but slip on ice. Juan had used the uh, cryogenic sprayer to slick the road. Blaster changes Goldbug's tire and they continue on their way. At the canning factory, the mechanic is holding a meeting with all of the local criminals and Goldbug and Blaster arrive. Goldbug spies while Blaster waits on the road. Mechanic is selling weaponized cars. Does this sound familiar? Because this was, I think, City of Steel? Or one of the other ones from the cartoon, uh, weaponized cars. The police are arriving in choppers because the computer was bugged. And uh, Blaster transforms to warn the cops. He lays down his weapons to gain their trust. And Goldbug sneaks in the back of the canning factory and gets captured. Blaster and the police, uh, particularly uh, the one detective who we've been seeing throughout, Detective Greco. Booker, Sunday night on Fox. They make a deal to, to get in. And uh, Detective Greco walks into the party, rocking uh, Blaster. The mobsters in the meeting draw their guns, but Blaster transforms and Electro scrambles all the mechanics' cars, having them shoot, well, everywhere. The police raid. The mechanic escapes. Goldbug, about to be dismantled by Juan until Detective Greco arrives, pulls his gun on Juan and makes him stop. And those uh, dismantling features is the mechanical arms on the UK cover. Uh, the mobsters are arrested. Goldbug and Blaster plan to continue their search. They also don't want to go back to the Ark because Grimlock is going to be mad at them and neither of them believe in Grimlock's leadership. And so they drive off in the opposite direction of the Ark. This actually sets up a, a long-term story of Grimlock versus Blaster uh, and Grimlock's leadership. And uh, that's pretty cool, actually. It becomes a good story as we continue on through Budiansky's run. Uh, it's a little bit flimsy here at the start, but it does get better. Uh, of note here, there are no Decepticons in this issue. Uh, there are only five Autobots total Grimlock Blaster, Goldbug, Wheeljack, and a flashback of Ratchet. And so, like I said, this story kind of sits middle of the road. It's not particularly bad. It's not particularly good. It does set up a few things as we go along, and that'll take us over to issue 29. Entitled Cratered Critters on the inside. On the outside, the cover features Blaster's head uh, as his body is engulfed by Scraplets. In fact, the title on the cover says Scrapped by the Scraplets, and in a little bubble at the bottom, introducing the Triple Changers. Now, this story appeared in Marvel UK issues 123 and 124. Same creative team as the previous issue, but the cover on the US side here, uh, drawn by Bob Budiansky. And I don't think we've talked about Bob Budiansky as an artist, uh, with inks by Aiken and Garvey on this one. Um, Budiansky had a very successful run on the first volume of Ghost Rider, um, he also drew uh, a handful of covers for the Transformers series, and it turns out he used to sketch um, the covers to help him develop story ideas. And the uh, neat thing about this cover is that the Scraplets all have like these individual looks and faces to them. Uh, they're, they're cartoony, but they're weird-looking little robot guys, and um, for a thing that is going to be a, essentially a mob... It's, it's neat to see them have like individual facial personalities on the cover. It's also the last time for a while we are going to see Optimus Prime in the box uh, in the top left corner of this issue. Uh, Marvel actually swapped that out for a different character starting in issue 30. 
Now this issue starts with a robot crashing to Earth, and uh, we find that he is falling apart. Blaster and Goldbug, they're stalking our old friend GB Blackrock, and uh, they make him ditch his date to talk to them. Uh, <laughs> they decide to drive over to a Blackrock gas station, and uh, GB Blackrock happens to have a master key for the pumps and uses it to refuel Goldbug. Now, uh, Blaster and Goldbug tell Blackrock that they have left the Autobots. Blaster recounts the story of Scrounge and gets all uh, touchy about it. Goldbug makes a comment, and Blaster really does get upset, thinks Goldbug uh, just wants a reason to go back to the Ark. And uh, they begin to pump uh, Blackrock for some information. He mentions a meteor crashing in Arizona, and the meteor is sending radio signals. Goldbug and Blaster go to investigate. Back on Cybertron, uh, Ratbat, the Decepticon's fuel accountant, enlists the triple changers to find a package on Earth. Uh, apparently, Ratbat sent this uh, UPS ground because uh, <laughs> uh, the pilot is uh, missing in action, but the ship is still sending radio signals, just like our meteor. Uh, the triple changers also need to uh, enlist a rich human uh, with automotive ties while they're there. Now, Note here, just like on the cover, this is the first appearance of the Triple Changers in the U.S. fiction. Uh, they do appear in some of the other stories that we've covered in the Marvel UK. At the crash site on Earth in Arizona, scientists are investigating and are driven off when the Space Bridge and the Triple Changers appear. The Triple Changers uh, find the ship's pilot and something crawls up Blitzwing's leg. Goldbug and Blaster enlist one of these researchers that were there, a guy by the name of Charles Fong, to help them sneak past the military guarding the crater. They get past, and then they get attacked by the Triple Changers. As Blaster fights off the Triple Changers, uh, Goldbug saves Fong as he falls into the crater. Uh, they end up meeting the pilot of the ship, and they find out about Scraplets. Uh, scraplets are tiny robots who take the shape of screws, nuts, bolts, etc., uh, and they are infecting the triple changers, the pilot, and now Blaster. We find out that only a rare chemical can cure them. Fong convinces Goldbug to go for help. Blaster, thinking Goldbug has abandoned him in the fight, is upset and annoyed, but Blaster fights on. Goldbug ends up getting infected by the scraplets and starts to feel guilty at the same time. About two and a half hours pass as Goldbug, in vehicle mode, is driving away from the crater, and he can no longer continue, and the story will be continued in the next issue. Now, the Scraplets as a concept are important. They do show up in later iterations of the Transformers. Uh, the Triple Changers making their debut is kind of cool. Uh, again, there's not a lot in this issue in terms of like, great storytelling, but it does set up the next issue, which is really good, and uh, we'll set up the final issue we're talking about as well. So let's not hold off here. Let's dive right in to issue 30, entitled The Cure on the inside. And uh, on the outside, the only bubble we get is that it says, Introducing the Throttlebots. And the cover features a um, weird monster-shaped figure being punched through by Rollbar uh, with the other five Throttlebots on the cover in uh, watching on as the fight continues. And the monster is holding up a Blackrock tanker. Uh, Optimus Prime, as I mentioned earlier, no longer in the corner box. It is now Grimlock in dino mode, hanging out in the corner box uh, where it says Marvel and the price of $1.
This issue for me is actually one of my all-time favorites. It's a simple story. It's a very well-told and well-executed story. The art is good, and um, and I just remember, like, I had a even when I was like a comic collector, as like a teenager, early teens, um, you know, and Transformers was kind of like that guilty pleasure comic that you know I I still read and still subscribe to actually, but didn't. Um, didn't necessarily, you know, wear it on my sleeve. I did have um, one section of my my wall that had just Transformer books, and uh, uh, you know, you had about I think I had like t- I dedicated like ten of those like wall hanging sleeves to Transformers, and this was one that was definitely in there. This issue twenty one, Aerial Bots Over America, issue nineteen, and uh, I don't know if the later issues were still coming out, so it was ones with cool covers usually ended up up there, but. I digress. This one was always one of my favorites, and, and so that's why I would make it onto the wall. Now, this features the same creative team as the previous issue, the cover that I was talking about, drawn by Herb Trimpey. Uh, this appeared in Marvel UK issues 126 through 127. Uh, the UK covers for this, issue 126, features a roll bar and wide load attacking Goldbug in the shadow of Ratbat, and they're attacking Goldbug with what seems to be a 2x4, and this one drawn by Lee Sullivan. Issue 127 features the the monster from the U.S. issue saying food and uh, over a pile of defeated Throttlebots and that one drawn by Robin Smith. Now the story opens on Cybertron. The Throttlebots are leading a raid on a Decepticon fuel storage facility. They encounter a quote titanium class destruction drone which looks like a giant version of cosmos uh, for the most part uh, the throttlebots surrender and are brought to ratbat astrotrain reports into ratbat uh, the scraplet situation is worsening uh, they have the ship plus blaster as prisoner but they are all infected with scraplets astrotrain demands a cure or he will not plant uh, the device on the human subject that they mentioned last issue and he will only do that once they're cured Instead of sending Decepticons, Ratbat has planned to send the Throttlebots to Earth to kill the infected. They have 10 hours, or Ratbat is destroying the entire planet. Elsewhere, Goldbug is being pushed by Charles Fong. He finds a Black Rock station, and the attendant gives Fong some water, which drips onto Goldbug and kills the Scraplets. Yes, that's the rare chemical water. Seeing the water drip on Goldbug, Fong demands the attendants give him water to wash his car, but they will not let him. Cut back to the crater site, and we are told it is 90 minutes earlier, and the Throttlebots are arriving. They're there with acid canisters uh, set to melt everyone inside of the crater. So they start planting these acid canisters around the crater, and the Scraplets see the Throttlebots. Uh, Searchlight spots some tire tracks coming out of the crater, and they realize there's at least one more infected. So roll bar and wide load go and follow the lead. 93 minutes later, wide load and roll bar arrive at the gas station. Attendants at the gas station still trying to stop Charles Fong from washing Goldbug. So 93 minutes later, wide load and roll bar arrive at that gas station, and the attendants still trying to stop Charles Fong from washing Goldbug. For 93 minutes. Okay, so, like, at some point in that 93 minutes, does someone go, you know what, all right, bud, here, here's the host, go wash your car. Like, 
an hour and a half, an hour and a half arguing with the dude to not let him wash his car. <laughs> I want to see a comic of that 93 minutes. I really do. So roll bar and wide load uh, set up to, um, well, basically, you know, slag Goldbug. They're going to melt him with acid. Goldbug tries to flee, and Rollbar hits him with a wooden beam, uh, like on the UK cover. Uh, Fong, he intervenes by throwing some scraplets on wide load and then dumps water on him. He throws him onto his, like, forearm and then hits him with a bucket of water. When they realize that the water is what kills the scraplets, Fong finally gets his chance to wash Goldbug. Rollbar and Wideload, they they catch up to Goldbug, and Goldbug heads for a phone and realizes he needs to call GB Blackrock. They get GB Blackrock's assistant on the line, who then gets GB for them, says it's a Mr. Goldberg before correcting herself or himself, and puts him through to GB Blackrock. Goldbug requests water and fast. Then everyone arrives at the crater, and uh, Blackrock tankers arrive, two of them actually, and Goldbug calls down to Blaster to tell him his plan. Blaster hears the plan out and says, no, release the acid instead of curing the scraplets. Uh, he would rather kill off the three triple changers than survive what's going on. Goldbug needs to choose, and Goldbug chooses acid. Just then, the scraplets decide to merge into Scraplet Monster, uh, which is what we saw on the cover, and he grabs one of the water tankers and throws it. The Throttlebots uh, begin to fight the monster, but they don't have weapons because they were captured and imprisoned. The only thing they have is the acid, and so they're starting to get infected by the Scraplets as well. Goldbug grabs a hose and cures Blaster and the Triple Changers. The Triple Changers then go and fight the Scraplet monster. Uh, Blitzwing actually cuts off its leg, and uh, Goldbug hoses down the Throttlebots. Blaster grabs the remaining tanker and smashes it into the Scraplet monster, killing all the Scraplets. In the melee, Astrotrain stops GB Blackrock, who had arrived with the tankers, and uh, injects the device that was supposed to go on a rich human with automotive industry ties onto his head. The Triple Changers then grab the ship's cargo and fly away. Goldbug and Blaster make up, and everyone lives happily ever after. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm kind of summing it up a little a little quickly there, but um, overall, this is such a solid story throughout. I love seeing the Throttlebots kind of get a little bit of personality throughout this issue. Um, everything in this story has a reason, either in this story or setting up something for the next issue. Uh, it kind of brings a culmination to some of the little pieces we saw in the previous two issues. Um, it's just a good, good story all around. Um, as far as the, the four we cover today, it's certainly my favorite among them. And so that brings us to the final issue that we are going to talk about today, and that is Marvel US number 31, interior titled Buster Wiki and the Car Wash of Doom. And it's neat to kind of talk about the, the title in here is that uh, it, the font is very Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom styled inside. On the outside, it just says, uh, it's wet, it's wild, it's the car wash of doom. Uh, it features Ratbat on the cover fighting uh, Buster Witwicky, who's wielding a crowbar. And uh, his girlfriend, Jessie, who looks nothing like she does inside the book <laughs> on the outside. And this cover, once again, drawn by Bob Budiansky. Uh, in the UK, this story was uh, 
featured with two different covers again. And for those covers, UK issue 128, with art by David Hine and John Burns. You're fired! Features Shockwave leading an attack on a ship. And UK 129, drawn by Robin Smith on the cover, features Ratbat attacking uh, Buster Witwicky inside his car, but not at the car wash. Now, team on this one a little different than what we've had in the past three issues, written by Bob Udiansky, pencils by Don Perlin, inks by Jim Fern, who we'll talk about in just a moment, letters by Rick Parker, who we haven't seen in a Transformers book since issue nine, colors once again by Nell Yamtov, and edits by Don Daly. Uh, Jim Fern, uh, his first work on Transformers, he was a longtime artist for Marvel and DC. Uh, he credits himself, I haven't seen it anywhere else, but in his own bio for conventions, in co-designing uh, Jubilee for the X-Men. He also co-created the series Crossing Midnight for Vertigo. Now for more on a story that involves a ship and a car wash of doom, I'm going to toss it over to my good friend, Gabriel Owens. The Salty Sea Man. Hey folks, uh, Gabriel Owens, The Salty Sea Man here, reviewing issue 31 of the G1 Transformers US run, Buster Witwicky and the Car Wash of Doom. Now this is a very, very uh, infamous... What does that mean? Infamous. Oh. Dusty. <laughs> infamous is, is when you're more than famous. Uh, issue amongst uh, hardcore Transformer fans uh, going back to as early as I can remember, you know, usually when discussing some of the uh, usually considered some of the worst of the uh, what the Transformer series has to offer. If uh, you know, in the comics, there's two issues usually get pointed to, uh, both written by Mr. Uh, Bob Budiansky. This one, uh, The Car Wash of Doom and uh, Micromaster Wrestling, which we are about 20-something issues from here. Uh, but, yeah, I have not read this in a very long time. I know the last time I did might have been, uh, I bought a physical copy. I was hanging out with a fellow trans fan, uh, James Hooks, and we bought it, picked it up at a comic shop and read it. And that would have been, oh, my God, 20 years ago. I have... No, no, I've reread it since. Okay, I, I, I read it when I got the, I definitely read it when I got the trade paperbacks. So anyway, but yeah, it's, it's regardless, it's been a very, very long time. Why was this so bad? Uh, I'm going to take a little look here and uh, let you guys know. I should also mention uh, the, of the batch of comics being reviewed for this issue over this episode. This is the only one I had as a kid. Uh, you know, a great choice. I, I looked at all the ones that were, you know, a couple of, of good ones actually, and I was like. This is the one I own, which is uh, just kind of how it happens. And uh, this was definitely around the era where the comics were losing me. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I was very haphazardly picking them up, you know, kind of part, you know, post uh, the whole Blaster and Grimlock uh, fight for power. It just, I, yeah, I was just losing interest, you know, obviously, and issues like this obviously did not help because, like I said, I have no, not many from... The issues before it, I was missing, and uh, quite a few issues after this one, I was missing it. So obviously, uh, you know, I was feeling the same thing a lot of people were. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of you know belief. You know, Bob was really basically was burnout. You know, around the uh, the blaster, Grimlock, Optimus dying arc, kind of the last we really saw of him. You know, delivering stories that people really loved. You know, at least what I see in hindsight. So. 
Uh, yeah, and this is always pointed at too as a you know a, an example of just how bad he he had gotten. And, and remember, he would still go on for another twenty something issues after this too. And there's nothing better for the salty seaman to start off a review by noticing some military movie bullshit, <laughs> or military media BS, I should say. Uh, in this case, uh, we start off on an oil tanker. The uh, the Septicons are attacking it. Uh, we see the cone heads and vortex and the Insecticons. So we're getting all those uh, uh, second uh, year. Second and third wave guys in toys. Uh, in terms of you know, this is a civilian oil tanker. This is Black Rocks, uh, so it's not you know it's not a military, but their uniforms are not what any civilian uh, roughnecks I've ever seen. It looks like someone got some weird reference material of people at sea and just kind of combined uh traditional uh you know na u.s navy look with uh but, oh let's make sure also we don't th put them in a full uniform and then they're just kind of like they're like half-assed uh, uh u.s navy uh dungarees and uh you know i mean it, this is the 80s but i do not ever i don't remember ever seeing any pictures of that for civilians so it's kind of fun but yes the decepticons are attacking for resources as uh you know they typically do and Shockwave and flies down to the oil tanker along with uh, Ratbat, who I believe has already been introduced uh, before this, and the, but I believe this is also the first issue we really get to see Ratbat. And it's so interesting because you know Ratbat is you know his has a toy spec, which is being played up in here with you know Bob wrote. So obviously that part of the character he obviously really likes, and he made him a fuel auditor, essentially an IRS uh, number cruncher type. But instead, he's talking about he's he's about fuel conservation, uh, you know, efficiency, and you know he's talking to Mr. Logic Shockwave. So that's a lot of great back and forth, and uh, you know Shockwave is weirdly kind of uh, no towing to this guy, even though he is, I would assume, you know, there's no Megatron, no Strexes, he probably the de facto leader of the Decepticons as we know them. But I guess everybody has to answer to the accountant one way or the other. And uh, they go, Ratbat goes to check the fuel uh, for uh, quality and finds out it's empty because the Decepticons are incredible idiots who apparently attacked this oil tanker after it, I guess, unloaded its cargo. Uh, but it's also it's just it, right away we're we're seeing you know Ratbat if you knew him from the cartoon, obviously had no real personality. He was another one of Soundwave's tapes. He was a scout and spy, um, but you know was nonverbal. Uh, definitely they definitely did nothing with his background as a uh, fuel auditor. So uh, yeah, that's all Budansky, and uh, as we'll see as the comics go on with Ratbat, he really loves this character and was you know if nothing else he was having fun with that i don't know maybe he just got audited recently or what but uh yeah and a lot of people were just like what in the hell you got rat bat in charge of the decepticons oh my lord it was yeah so we get a little catch up here now moving on to uh the portland area we see for the first time in quite a while uh buster witwicky and his dad spark plug and buster's girlfriend jesse uh, a little bit of uh, seemingly normal life. They have opened up a car wash, which is doing well. However, there's a gas shortage going on. And given what Ratbat told us on the last on the last page, we can uh, assume the two things are connected. 
Uh, and also, uh, Sparkplug is, is acting a little strange and apparently just keeps filling up his gas over and over again. Also will be a plot point. Uh, this is, uh, you know, just also FYI, this is obviously, this, this whole issue is a bit of an homage to uh, kind of old horror movies. Uh, you know, pod people and, uh, you know, similar things to that nature. Uh, you know, reading in that context, it's, you know, I, I think more fun than, uh, you know, uh, just like, oh, my God, this is so stupid and horrible. But, uh, yes, we also get a uh, kind of a recap of, you know, what Buster did with the Autobots, you know, between issues 1 and 12. And, you know, the spark plug had a heart attack and, you know, all the stuff that went on. And, you know, they're just trying to re put their lives back together and live normally. So uh, we cut to another old friend, Mr. G.B. Blackrock, uh, who we find out is uh, the one who owns these, uh, this new franchise of car washes, the wash and roll, where, uh, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing Sparkplug is a franchise owner of. But a nice synergy here between our human uh, allies and the uh, Decepticon, or in the Autobot uh, field here. Uh, and he is, you know, really pushing this car wash idea, and eventually his board of directors agree, okay, they are doing well. And uh, then it's revealed he has been... Uh, Mine has been taken over by Mr. Ratbat, who was in his pocket the entire time. And uh, the plot uh, quickly uh, comes to fruition in terms of what's going on. So we go, go back to uh, Buster and Jesse as Buster is closing up the car wash. Jesse wants to come hang out with him, and Buster's being a, in a funky little mood. Uh, and Jesse wants her car washed. He's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And we get to see the inside of the car wash, and it's like, you know... A, you know, playing blasting heavy metal and disco lights, and how we find out Buster is not a heavy metal fan. But uh, you know, I'll forgive him this time. And uh, yeah, just being kind of a wily brat, and uh, Jesse finally is like, look, and just starts making out with him in the car wash. And just when it seems like it's the night's just going to get really good for Buster, uh, suddenly Jesse uh, says she has to go home and uh, bye. So Buster is immediately suspicious and decides to follow her, even though, yes, she was acting weird, but he's like, well, that's just too weird for my taste. I'm going to stalk her back to her house. I, I, okay. Uh, that, that doesn't read very well, actually. Uh, but uh, he follows, uh, decides to follow Jesse, and sure enough, she's uh, going, into a, uh, going into a BlackRock-owned uh, uh, place of some sort, which makes no sense. So in this case, at least Buster's paranoia suspicion turns out to be correct. Buster notices everyone here seems to be under some kind of mind control as he, uh, you know, ends up getting shot at by Laserbeak, who he assumes recognizes him uh, and holds a grudge, but no, Ratbat was just mad he was out of line. So he continues on. Uh, earlier he had flashed his headlights at uh, Jesse, which I guess, you know, sudden flashes of light is enough to break uh, Decepticon hypnotization. And uh, they start wondering what's going on and figure out Rat Bat's plan and uh, go to investigate. And he also notices his dad in line, so of course now he has to go rescue his dad. So Rat Bat and Blackrock reveal uh, the car wash and roll Mark II, I, I assume here. And uh, Sparkplug, of course, is picked to be the first customer, which uh, I assume, which looks like it double, it permanently brainwashes you into being a slave. Uh, you know, and we get a little backstory, which is kind of cool. Like we, they, the, uh, you know, they bring in a car wash from uh, Cybertron, which transforms into a car wash from a, you know, hunk of something else or whatever. But I, I did, I did like that. I thought that was cool. But uh, 
you know, feeling desperate, uh, Buster feels he has no choice, but he, you know, stops, breaks in line, and uh, is trying to rescue his dad. Also realize here, yeah, uh, Blackrock and the Wikis have never met, oddly. Uh, Sparkplug and GB uh, do not recognize each other and are, uh, uh, you know, apparently having their first conversation, and uh, Buster is trying to desperately save his father. Buster attempts to flee Ratbat and gets stuck in the car wash. And here we have a uh, a bit of a horror scene. It's uh, you know Buster with nothing but a tire iron versus a you know s relatively small but uh, actually Ratbat size kind of jumps back and forth between some panels here. He's awfully big at the uh, the crowd meeting and he's uh, much smaller here in the car wash. But these things happen, and uh, he is uh, yeah tearing apart his car, trying to get at him. Threatens to uh, end his life. Buster sees the strobe lights and. You know, it feels his mind almost go. And right before Ratbat is about to finish him off, uh, bus, uh, Jesse hits him with her car or the truck, and they attempt to flee the car wash. Uh, yeah, if you're a fan of Ratbat, this is probably not, you know, it does not make him look like the greatest of warriors here. He can't handle two humans in a car. Leads to Buster escaping and taking his trusty tire iron and breaking the hypnotic effect uh, that is uh, causing all the trouble throwing it at the, uh, the car wash and uh, Blackrock and Sparkplug and everybody else snap out of it and Laserbeak and Ratbat decide to get out while the getting's good and uh, the day is saved and the uh, Buster did not need to call the Autobots. He handled it by himself uh, and he gets a kiss from Jesse to end the book. Yeah, it's a the definition of a throwaway book. There's a bit of, you know, furthering the plot of we've introduced, you know, the character of Ratbat, and that's going to change the dynamic of, you know, Decepticon leadership going forward here. Uh, but, and, you know, and, and you're just reading it as, you know, a uh, homage to uh, various kinds of horror movies, uh, the car wash, uh, you know, the whole, you know, hypnotizing, the pod people kind of vibe. Uh, I do kind of appreciate that, and, you know, I understand, you know, just... It's a writer very, very bored with what he's kind of, or burnout on what he's been doing on this book for 30-something issues and kind of have a little fun. But yeah, it's not, a, it's really just not a great story. I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be, but I get what it does, you know, you just compare it to other random issues. I mean, how terrible is it really? It's just, I think there's certain thematic things there that just really rubbed a lot of fans the wrong way. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm not seeing it as that that terrible. But, no, it, it's, it's definitely not good. But, uh, yeah, if you're a fan of Ratbat, and this is probably an issue. If you are, this is probably an issue why. So you like it anyway. But uh, everyone else, yeah, I can't say. It, it's at least partially deserves its uh, reputation. Maybe not quite as much, but, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's all the Salty Sea Man has for today. I'll kick it back to you, Ant. All right, thanks, Gabe. And you can catch Gabe on his YouTube channel, The Salty Seaman, over at youtube.com slash recharge138. And to touch on a few things that Gabe passed over that I wanted to mention, uh, not a lot, but, uh, you know, when Jessie's putting the moves on Buster, the reason she gets hypnotized is because she opens her eyes while kissing. Come on, Jessie, that's bad form. Also worth noting, uh, you know, the Decepticons are using humans to bring fuel to them. Uh, the pumps at the Blackrock facility aren't filling up the tanks. They're siphoning fuel. 
one of the things we we find out and one of the quotes in here it's just ridiculous is that when they find out that the version two of the wash and roll will control people forever buster shouts out that uh it not only washes cars it washes brains oh what a terrible line <laughs> but uh also spark plug uh gives his first name in this issue and it's revealed to be irving um, but it's not the first time we've seen his first name in the comic in issue four his first name was mentioned but it was william so Sparkplug goes by irving or by william uh you pick i guess and finally the last little tidbit here um no autobots really appear in this issue uh blue streak and bumblebee appear in one panel in a flashback but as far as the story goes not a single autobot to be found Thanks for listening to the show. Stick around to hear what's coming up next episode. But first, I want to fill you in on a few ways you can stay in touch with the show. Want to be on the show? Leave us a voicemail at 702-763-4838. That's 702-POD-4TFU. Or send an email to info at tfu.info. Be sure to catch us on Twitter at TFU underscore info and on Facebook and Instagram under the username TFU info, all one word. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TFU info, where we post all of our podcasts, plus special video segments, reviews, and live coverage of Transformers-related events such as New York Toy Fair and New York Comic Con. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit us at www.tfu.info, the world's longest-running transforming toy archive. And that does it for this episode of Transformers University. Thank you for joining me on this return to the Marvel U.S. run. We're just getting started in 1987, so next time on the show, we're going to head across the Atlantic to the U.K. and talk about the beginning of the UK run in 1987. We'll be covering issues 96 to 104 of the Marvel UK run, so stuff that takes place technically before the stories we're covering here in this episode. So please join me for episode 94 of Transformers University. I am your host, Anthony Brucalli, owner-operator, madman, behind tfu.info. Till next time, see ya.